You're listening to WO Voices, a podcast series from Women in Optometry magazine. I'm Marjolyn Bailefeld, editor of Women in Optometry. We're delighted you can join us. Welcome. We're here today with Shira Kresh, OD, MS, FAAO. Dr. Kresh has a practice, Michigan Contact Lens, in Oak Park, Michigan, where her focus is on specialty contact lenses. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about how her passion for scleral lenses and specialty lenses has grown. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Marjolaine. It's such an honor to be with you again. Dr. Kresh is also the uh, 2023 winner of the Young OD Theo Award for Excellence. And her the amazing thing she's done in her practice in the seven or eight years since she graduated is is really impressive. Um, specialty contact lenses is, is a big part of that, isn't it? It certainly is. Thank you so much for, for all of that. Yeah, specialty lenses is, is the focus of my practice. And I think that so many people have a similar story to me in that the trajectory of their career didn't necessarily follow anything that they thought it was going to follow. I certainly didn't think that I would be opening a practice, certainly not at this stage of my life. And I find it extremely rewarding. And yeah, I love to share the story with it because I, I love what I'm doing and it's been a, a really fun ride. So you went to school in New York at SUNY Optometry and you stayed there for a while. What brought you back to Michigan? So yes, I went to SUNY Optometry. I did my master's there as well. So I did the combination program. And then I stayed there to do my residency in disease. And what's kind of interesting about specializing now in contact lenses, I was always interested in contact lenses. I was a little bit concerned in school to pigeonhole myself within the contact lens world. And I really focused on disease. I loved um, working within intense ocular disease. I really liked working with ophthalmology. So I found I found myself going into glaucoma. That's what my master's was also focused on, my research in in optometry school. And then when I when I um, did my ocular disease residency, it was with Murray Fingerette. So there was a strong focus on glaucoma. Uh, when I finished my residency, I started working in an academic medical center at Columbia Ophthalmology. And there I also was brought in to be integrated into their glaucoma division. But while I was there, because I was only one of three optometrists, there's just, when you work within an ophthalmology department, anything that is what they look at as optometry specific, i.e. contact lenses and refraction, it just goes to your to your schedule. So I had to become more of a um, practical clinical expert in terms of doing lots of funky types of refractions, prism and, and um, different types of contact lens fittings out of necessity. But I did not focus on scleral lenses there at all. There were, there were three optometrists, like I said, and we kind of chose, we each had a niche. So one of us worked within retina, ERG, imaging, things like that. One of us was glaucoma and one of us was specialty lenses. And we really respected those niches and we referred to each other. We were really pro, you know, um, optometry referral. But at the same time, I got a lot of different types of refractions and contact lens fittings. So there I actually did a lot of multifocal contact lens fittings for a lot of the Columbia faculty. I really loved my life in New York. I loved my job at Columbia. I really, really enjoyed the team that I was working with, the optometrist I was working with, as well as the ophthalmologist. The city life was really exciting to me, even though I grew up in more of a suburban type of 
out-of-town community. But after COVID and baby number three, my husband and I decided that we were ready to focus on our family and being closer to family. So we started making a transition the last year that I was there in 2020. So post-COVID, we started working towards moving to Michigan. And we wanted to have things set up for us here. So I wanted to have a job lined up and he wanted to have his job lined up and everything kind of fall into place. But honestly, Marjolyn, since we moved back to Michigan, we call it the happiest place on earth. <laughs> We're so happy to be here because it's just, there's nothing like living close to family and friends. It's just, it's a different world. So if you can find a way to have a career within a wonderful, supportive system like that, it's, there's just nothing like it. Um, so even though I really enjoyed my time in New York and it was really, really rewarding in terms of what I was able to learn and the specialties I went into, Michigan is now my home and I'm, I'm really happy about that. That's fantastic. So was there an aha moment? Because obviously your practice is called Michigan Contact Lens, some, some, somewhere between Columbia University and Oak Park, you said, wait, I have this opportunity here. Yes. So here's what happened. When I joined the next department of ophthalmology in Michigan, where I, where I, where I was given a position, they didn't have anybody doing their specialty lenses. So one of my, it wasn't why I was brought in. Um, it had nothing to do with why I was hired, but one of my colleagues, actually two of my colleagues were like, you know, we have these patients that would really benefit from scleral lenses. Do you do those? And I'm just thinking, no, <laughs> you know, like I'm not retraining everything. So I said, oh, I think about it, but I knew that that was going to be a need when I came there. So kind of on my own before I joined there, I spent some time with my colleague at Columbia, um, Suzanne Sherman, who who taught me a lot about scleros and continues to be a wonderful resource and a really good friend um, in terms of that. And then uh, you kind of know my story from before is I, I reached out to lots of different specialty lens fitters and was trained by Melissa Barnett, went to Vision Expo, all the different meetings have wonderful, wonderful resources. And just in general, the scleral lens community is always looking to help someone get get trained into it. So I started that process during that transitional year, again, not because it was part of my contract or anything, but because I knew that it was a strong need that, um, that I would be able to help out with. I wasn't expecting to fall in love with it, but literally from day one that I started fitting these lenses, I just, it was almost like a drug. I had never really experienced anything quite like it, where patients were really, really visually compromised. They had nobody who was able to help them in the system that they were in. And by putting a lens on their eye and showing them what their best corrected vision was, there were tears in my first three patients that day. Like each one of them just absolutely started crying in the chair because they hadn't seen like that in, in years. Some of them 40 years, some of them um, one of my first patients had been wearing RGPs for 40 years and was referred to me for a scleral lens fitting, put on a scleral lens. And it was really interesting to me to see this because I'd heard stories like this, obviously, but he technically had 20-20 vision in his RGPs. When I put the sclerals on, he was just like, I have never seen like this before. He was just, so I, it was so dramatic to me because it was, it just showed me the the possibility of helping so many different types of people. And that aha moment was really from just the experience of seeing my patients' reactions. The other thing, Marjolyn, is when you work in an ophthalmology department, everybody is so subspecialized. 
that it felt really nice to have a niche that was mine. Even if I managed glaucoma and I managed cataracts and I managed diabetes, and if there was a patient that was going south, I was not the specialist. I obviously have to refer that patient to the specialist. And in this field, it was something that I personally, because I was so focused on disease and working with ophthalmology, that it was something that I was the expert in, that I became the expert in, and that patients really looked to me and I was getting those referrals. So that was, those two things together were really impactful for me. So when I decided to move away and open up my own practice, that was going to be the focus. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, if I wouldn't have had something that I knew I could provide better, it's hard to open up a new practice. And you have to believe in the product that you're doing in order to be passionate about it. And I became so passionate about scleral lenses because I've been able to help all these these different people. But something that's interesting that happened is even though this started as kind of like a scleral lens passion, it morphed into more than that. Because once you start seeing scleral lenses, you have to be able to fit other types of lenses too. You can't just focus on the sclerals, even though that's kind of all the rage. So being able to help just a, a comprehensive group of people who have funky corneas became really, really powerful um, for me. So just being comfortable with all the different types of RGPs, sclerals, having conversations with patients about which ones could be beneficial for them. And then the other thing is that I've been seeing a bunch of our prosthetic color lenses, ironically mm -hmm. enough. So once you market yourself as a specialty contact lens fitter, you start seeing anybody who needs a specialty contact lens. I'm constantly learning new things and I have mentors that I lean on for those types of things. And obviously if I can't fit somebody in, in something that I have, I have a couple people here that I can send them to. So I'm not completely on my own, but those things were, were really um, why I love what I do. Did you imagine or did you know that the need would be as big as it is? No, I didn't. I didn't know that there were so few people fitting them what I found is that even if people say on their website that they fit them, it almost seems like a template on, on the website, like just describing the contact lenses that are, that are fitted, but it's not necessarily someone who is an expert in fitting them for people who have corneal grafts and everything. So before I opened my practice, I did some market research and I met with the big corneal specialists in the area. And I asked them, are you saturated? Like, do you have people that you can send all your patients to no problem because I'm not looking to fight a, a market, you know, like if there's no need for it, then building a practice is tough enough. Um, and they told me that the need was immense. I knew from the ophthalmologist that I've been working with that there was a need within different communities, but to hear that there were corneal specialists, they had like a, a couple of people that they could send to, but if they were backed up or whatever, if it was a patient that needed something a little bit more specialized, to know that I could fill that need, that was really important to me in getting started. So I, I found out that there, there was a big need for it and that's why I opened, but I, I had not expected that. I think that when you're in optometry school, think, anything that you learn about in school, you just assume that everybody does it. And because optometry is so comprehensive and then you find out later that in your 15, 20 mile radius, there aren't necessarily so many people who do it or you have to travel 20 in Michigan to travel 25 minute drive away is a big deal in New York that's nothing right because you're always stuck in traffic like you always travel an hour to see your internist it's just not a big deal and you're passing a lot of internists along the way but in an out-of-town suburban type community like this there actually is is a strong enough need for it so I think in 
what was missing from my life? Why did I take this on myself um, and leave a really good secure job that I enjoyed doing and working with the ophthalmology team? There were really three focuses of my practice. The first was flexibility. So as a mom and just someone who has some family around, someone who's very community focused, someone who wanted to be able to volunteer in the school occasionally and just do different things um, outside of my career, I wanted to be able to not give up my career, but tailor my career towards what my priorities were in life. And that was to be around for my kids. So having a flexible schedule and being able to set my own schedule was really important. Like I would get emails, oh, your daughter has a mommy and me party in three weeks, Wednesday from one to two, you know, and it's like, oh my gosh, like, how am I going to fit that around and like start the email chain? You have to cancel patients six, six weeks in advance. And so having a little bit more flexibility in a relationship with my patients was really helpful. Number two is expertise. So that's really the second priority in my practice is I want to be um, the expert in, in, the category that I'm offering my patients so that my patients can have an excellent experience and an excellent final product. I didn't invest in my flooring or my ceiling fixtures in the first six months because I wanted to get high-end, top-of-the-line equipment to be able to do my craft and really focus on the relationships that I have with ophthalmology and building that referral network so that I can be that referral center for for, um, for people. And the third is really the love for, for my field. If I didn't love it, I wouldn't be able to do it day in and day out and build it and talk about it and build videos around it and all, you know, the whole nine yards. So I'm called Michigan Contact Lens. We wanted to be super focused, but the second component now, the, the plan was to, to start with specialty lenses for the first six months. But the other thing that's a big need here is myopia control. So people started coming to me for that from the beginning. And I said, you know, I'm not equipped to take you on yet. And I know that there's kind of a controversy in how to deal with that. Like when you get patients, people just want to be like, oh, no, take them in. But I told them in six months from now, I'm planning on starting my myopia management program. And we're going to focus right now on, on something else. And then, and then we'll do that. And I, I kind of learned that from my experience in working in different settings is that if I'm able to focus on one thing and kill it and like have all the patient education materials kind of iron out all those kinks then I can start building the second thing. But I didn't want to build both at the same time. Mm -hmm. So now that I'm six months in, I'm actually building up the myopia control as well. So I had some lectures with the different pediatric ophthalmology groups and pediatricians in the area and the different um, neighborhood schools. And, and that's kind of the second, the second component of that. I think the passion that drives your, your practice has to be the passion of the doctor. If the mm -hmm. doctor is not passionate about the, the thing that they do, like I'll give you an example. I know that there's a lot of focus on opening up these beautiful boutique opticals. And I love looking at the pictures on women of optometry. They're just so gorgeous. But that is not something that's in my purview because I, as a client or patient, I'm looking for a designer product on a discount. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, I would, that's, I wouldn't feel passionate about selling those glasses, even though I respect that field, that niche. And I have patients that I send to those boutiques because that's not what I offer. But in my practice, I offer, my service is the strongest thing. And then the things that I sell, I sell for a very reasonable, you know, um, cost conscious type of, of clientele. So the, mm -hmm. the cost of the goods is not really, it's not really where I'm, where I'm focusing. And people have told me that I'm wrong in doing that, but it's, it, it, I spoke with Katie Morrison. So she's wonderful. She started a scleral lens practice as well in um, Arizona. And she told me when I was getting started that you can build whatever practice you want to build just because someone else builds a practice like this, like that, those 
kinks that they have to iron out, those pains that they have, like you don't need to choose those. Every practice is going to have headaches. And that's been kind of the motto that, um, that I've, that I've been working off of. You're going to have headaches. So you might as well do what you love. And I just saw a patient who followed up with a text message of doctor, I haven't seen like this in 50 years. I feel like a little boy waiting to try out my new toy tomorrow. That's how excited I am about my new lenses. And he was someone who had been wearing RGPs for a long time. When he came to see me, actually, he was referred in not for a contact lens consult because he, he didn't think that he needed that. He was having difficulty getting into a good pair of glasses. So mm-hmm when he was out of his contact. So he had an ophthalmologist that said, you know what, just go see Dr. Christ, see if she can get you a pair of glasses. When I saw him, his corneas were so distorted. He had a big Salzman's nodule right adjacent to where his RGP was sitting on him. And when I did his topography, his corneas were so distorted. Anything that I showed him, he had like warped, distorted vision. So I had to wash him out of his RGPs and fit him into a pair of glasses and fit him into sclerals instead. And he is just happy, happy. It's completely changed his life because he he used to be completely reliant on his lenses. Couldn't see without them because he could never get into a pair of glasses. That's how warped his corneas were for his longtime RGP wear. So sclerals were so um, impactful for him. They he said that they gave him his life back. It's just that. So to get a headache of designing a lens and working with the lab and whatever, if I know that that is the final result, that's enormous. But at least while I'm getting started, I want it to be an absolute no brainer for patients to come and see me. If they're thinking about sclerals, if they read about it, if their ophthalmologist sent them, because a lot of people have some fear revolved around a scleral lens or a specialty contact lens or a customized lens. So when I speak to them on the phone, I'm like, you know what, just come and see me. Let's see if the lens will work for you. I do all the imaging that I need. I do, I pop a lens on their eye. I show them what it's like. And if there's a wow factor, I don't have to say anything else. They know that this is what they're going to want. And if there's not a wow factor, we got that out of the way. And now we're going to try and, and think about a less expensive alternative that may um, be helpful for them. But that getting that in the beginning is is what really also drives the practice too. They have that wow factor and they are motivated to continue. Are you content with your practice growth here? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. So six months, am I content at this stage of my practice growth? A hundred percent. This was definitely a big risk in the way that I opened it very focused. I don't accept any insurance in my practice. I help patients get their insurance coverage. And most of my patients are actually able to get really good coverage after they see me. Um, I give them a detailed letter. I give them all the codes and everything. And I'll handhold while they're getting reimbursed. But the people who come and see me, already know whether or not their insurance will will cover it or not. And it hasn't actually been a hindrance for most of my patients. And the ones who have insurance that will reimburse a nice amount will get the reimbursement anyway. I have mentors who are helping me kind of along the way in terms of how to do that exactly, but it's definitely possible. So I don't deal with choosing the headache of the billing. Like I spend the time in terms of designing them a really good lens, really good technology, spending a lot of time with them. I spend two hours with a patient. I'll spend one to two hours with every patient, um, just making sure that everything looks good. So am I comfortable with my growth at this point, six months in, I'm really happy with my growth of, of how many patients per month I've been able to build. But 
what I'm doing now is planting relationship. You know, like I, I have really good relationships now with corneal specialists that I met six months ago because each patient that they've sent me, I'll write them a good note and I'll follow up with them. And then I'll, at the final dispense, I'll let them know, you know, I'm going to follow up every six, six to 12 months with this patient. So it's just planting all these different seeds. So yeah, I have relationships now that I didn't have six months ago. And so that to me is, is good security for the future. If I saw this many patients in two years from now, I would not be happy. But the trajectory of my growth, I'm really happy with. Yeah. And and when you start adding in those myopia management services, too, that's going to bring in a whole different clientele. Yeah, exactly. Exciting. I, I believe in being debt free. So I everything that we opened, we paid for. I didn't take out any loans for this. I used my savings because I really don't like um, being a slave to debt. And the reason that that was important and how I opened my practice is the practice that we found was already built out as a medical office. It was in a great location. It felt wonderful when I walked in. It was modern in the sense that it has nice new fresh paint and the colors are modern. But other than that, it's not like one of these gorgeous boutique practices that you see on women of optometry. It's, it's very bare bones, but I made it beautiful in my own budget kind of way. That just wasn't the focus. The focus was being able to set up the service that I wanted. So I, I put in the, the expensive equipment, but I didn't bring on any staff. I do everything myself and my husband is the practice manager and he deals with a lot of the back end stuff. He's an expert in marketing. That's what he has his MBA in. And so he kind of focuses on that component and I focus on the patient experience component and ordering the lenses and all of that stuff and having the relationships with the reps. But because of that, um, we didn't take anybody else on. We didn't, again, this is like a headache that we just chose not to have. Cause mm -hmm. if I have an employee, I want to pay them well. Now at this point, the six month mark, now we're looking to bring somebody on, but we didn't in the beginning. Just if you open a no insurance practice, I think there are certain sacrifices that are were important for us to make in the beginning to be successful. Like everybody wants to have a technician. Everybody wants to have a really good practice manager and a beautiful office and whatever. And just sitting down in the beginning and figuring out what we needed to get started and what, what we needed to make an excellent product. I wasn't, I, I knew that because I was setting myself up to be a referral center, it mattered so much more about the experience I was offering to the patient than the aesthetics. Anyway, now it's beautiful. Now I really like it. <laughs> I have great chairs and pink pillows. It was the pink pillows that make me happy when I walk into office every day. Thank you. This was so wonderful. It was so, so, so nice to speak with you again and to share my story. Dr. Crash, it is always a pleasure to talk to you and I wish you very good luck in your next six months and beyond. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you join us again on WO Voices. If you'd like to be a guest on the series, please send us an email at wovoicesonline at gmail.com, through our website at womeninoptometry.com, through Facebook at WO Magazine, or through Instagram at WomenODs. See you next time.